Welcome to the Fire Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking about firearm competition for women. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy to making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and the competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by NA Tactical. As instructors, our students are always asking us what gear we use, and I always tell mine, I use NA Tactical. Do you know NA Tactical offers several designs, each with extreme comfort for all-day carry? The Revenant and Professional holsters have a patented, tuckable design, adjustable cant, and secure twist release. My personal favorite is the K01. Is an all-kydex appendix holster that I can carry all day in comfort. All of N8's Tacticals holsters come with a two-week try-it guarantee and a lifetime warranty, even on the clip. Remember to check out their Flex Mag Carrier also. It has a three-layer comfort backer and will accommodate several sizes of magazines. Find out more or just send your students to n8tactical.com. That's letter N, the number eight, tactical.com. Today we are joined by author and gold medal winner, Kay Michalik. Welcome, Kay, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. No. Well, hey, can you tell our listeners who might not know who Kay Michalik is a little bit about your background and uh, where you've competed at? Uh, sure. I uh, basically was born into a shooting family, father a gunsmith and a competitive shooter himself. So always competed from an early age. Uh, I was on the high school rifle team. Uh, shot high-powered silhouette in, in my teen years, into my early 20s. But I really, I guess, uh, didn't really get truly serious about competition shooting until uh, my mid-30s, uh, in, in the early 90s, when I started action shooting, uh, specifically USPSA-type type competitions. Uh, had a pretty successful run there with uh, 10 national championships in the handgun divisions and uh, 14 USPSA three-gun titles, along with uh, about seven World Speed Shooting Championships and a few others after that. Uh, on the international scene, I represented the U.S. and USPSA at seven uh, World Shoot, IPSC World Handgun. I had two uh, individual gold medals there and was on the winning ladies team uh, four different times. So pretty successful with handgun. And then in my last uh, six years or so of competing, I had the honor of again representing the United States in two shotgun world shoots and one rifle world shoot where by this time I was in my late fifties and uh, <laughs> last, last competition was the uh, IPSC rifle world shoot in Russia where my daughter won the match and I was uh, on the team with her. And that was probably one of my highlights getting to be on the same team with her. That's, that sounds like a great highlight and you've got a great, um, great career that you can draw upon for today's uh, topic of really talking about, you know, how to get women into the competition shooting. And, you know, we've had a couple other guests on, I've talked about competition, how it can really help uh, people with their training, with their mental exercises, doing those types of things. Um, you know, winning gold medals is great, but also just, we don't get enough trigger time and going through competition and being able to visualize and be able to say, okay, this is what situation we're going into. Keep do it for what it's worth. Take your training, um, there, test it, make sure, make sure it makes sense. Make sure you can process things at the speed you need to. So we're really pleased to have you on today. First question for you. 
what got you into doing the uh, women's classes and, d- and different things like that? Uh, well, I came around it kind of uh, from the back door. I had invited some of the top women in the world come to come to my range to compete uh, against each other, really, so that we could get better. Uh, we were all vying for a shot at the World Shoot team, which is a four-person team. And uh, when I started inviting these top competitors to come to my range, word got around that I was having this ladies uh, training camp. And before it was all over, I had 24 ladies show up and all these other top competitor shooter, competitive shooters uh, agreed to help me train these ladies. And that was turned into the foundation for uh, an organization called Babes with Bullets. And uh, once that started, uh, my partner and I, Deb Ferns, traveled around the country for 15 years, uh, sponsored by Smith & Wesson and Javier's and Mossberg. Uh, we taught thousands and thousands of women, introduced them to uh, competition shooting. So uh, that's where it started. And I think it was a great way to introduce ladies to competition shooting in an all-woman environment. Uh, it was kind of, like, I know my partner used to say it was half firearms training and half pajama party. And, uh, and that's what it was. It was a three-day event. All, all the uh, equipment was provided for them, guns and, and belts and holsters, everything provided for them, uh, which I always think, thought was a huge plus uh, with this program because we knew they had equipment that was going to run. Uh, it was equipment that was suitable for the teaching we were going to be doing. Um, and I've always uh, you know, been a believer that uh, the, the gun doesn't make the shooter, uh, but it definitely makes it easier for the shooter to shoot well if it's a, if it's a good defendable gun and, and definitely suited for the purpose. So that was a great uh, uh, aspect of, of our camps that I think uh, made them very successful. Uh, and we did that for 15 years and uh, just, just finished up the last camp last year. We're still doing uh, one uh, event called the Babes of Bullets Diamond event where it's, uh, it's almost like a shooting resort. Uh, we go to places, we shoot uh, a good bit during the day, but then there's also other activities, horseback riding and whatever we come up with uh, as well. So we're doing that as well as doing some hunting programs with ladies, uh, introducing uh, these ladies, new hunters, uh, to hunting. And a lot of those are the alumni from our Babes with Bullets program. So it just all kind of all ties together and is going full circle here. No, that's really good because getting people to, or getting women out and learning how to use a gun safely, um, confidently, and then, you know, also wrap that into, you know, hunting, you know, being self-reliant, being able to know, you know, how to go out in the woods and, you know, stalk your animals to hunt it and how to, you know, properly harvest it. Those are all great qualities uh, uh, from a training perspective. You really want, you want people to know how to apply what they learn. And, you know, too many times I think sometimes we get into, okay, we're going to shoot, you know, 500 rounds into paper and we forget the application of it. And that's where, um, you know, if you do competitions where you've got to move and shoot and think about how you're going to, you know, set, set up a target and do those types of, uh, exercise and even the hunting, it gets the mind working, which is, let's face it, it's, it's a muscle just like, you know, our fingers and arms and legs are, and it needs to, maybe doesn't have to flex, but it needs to be worked in order for it to, uh, be there when we need it to be. Well, absolutely. You know, like anything in the world, the, the more you practice, as long as you're practicing it correctly, uh, you're going to get better. And of course the negative also goes, if you're practicing wrong, you're going to enforce mm-hmm. that. So, 
Uh, I think that's also a great, uh, I always recommend a class even to most new shooters, not necessarily with me, but with some competent instructor, it's going to take so much time off your, off your learning curve. If you have someone there that can just watch you and say, okay, you know, this is what you're doing wrong and fix it uh, just by watching you. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I mean, let's face it, every NRA certified instructor in the world, which of course a great program, but every instructor in the world uh, is NRA, NRA certified or a lot of them. And everybody knows the basics, you know, sight, picture, trigger, pull, stance, grip, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, when it goes, when you get beyond that, you need an instructor that has the experience and has been there and in my case done everything wrong that you can think of so i, I did learn from it uh, and i can recognize it and that's really for me what a good instructor is and they can recognize the problems and correct them mm -hmm. and especially when you're around a lot of different shooters um what a 20 year old can shoot and how you know well they can you know how fast they can react as well their eyesight it's a lot different than when you get up into your 50s and such because i can definitely tell that in my own shooting uh the older i got and the stronger my glasses contacts got the uh, more challenging it became i wasn't i wasn't losing uh speed or sights up close but then when i start getting back to you know 10 15 25 yards all of a sudden it makes it a lot harder to focus on a little dot in front of you and see the and see the target at the same time and those are things to where you if you've gone through it yourself or have uh you know coached other people through it you uh can be a real asset to those beginning shooters uh, absolutely and and uh another point you kind of made me think of this that i'm a big believer that uh my may my way may not be your way uh, and uh, again one of the big uh assets of the basic bullets program was that i had so many high level instructors uh and sometimes uh i would get someone and you know i'm trying to work them through a flinch or work them through whatever the problem is and we just somehow didn't click don't communicate well and i wouldn't hesitate for a minute to go over and say lisa munson or, or julie golop or somebody come over here and uh you know work with this lady a minute and uh and some, sometimes they just click with a different instructor and besides the fact that uh you know as an instructor a, as a shooter and an instructor sometimes you get so locked into what you do and that's you get uh you forget to expand and you know uh, mm -hmm. so i'm a big believer that if uh if you're not if you're not learning and if you're not progressing you're going to be, be a dinosaur so yeah, you have to keep looking for a better way to do everything, even though it's working right now for you. You better be looking for the next. Yeah, and, and surrounding yourself with knowledgeable people can help you because there's always different ways of approaching the same topic. There's different things to look for, different you know cues, and you know that's how you become a better instructor of taking class yourself and also go along surrounding yourself by other competent instructors that you can, uh, you know, Run, run ideas past each other. You know, how do you get somebody to hold some, to hold a pistol that might have, um, you know, a physical disability on in their hands? Um, you know, that's where you really got to brainstorm and come up with, with okay, what's this solution going to look like mm -hmm. for it? Or, you know, what happens when somebody's got, you know, eye, eye problems and they got their, they're farsighted, but they're trying to look at those, uh, you know, sites up close and, and just doing those uh, type of exercises uh, can be very, uh, challenging for somebody who's never seen them before agreed yes uh, uh everybody's different and you, and you have to approach it that way mm -hmm. yeah question about the babes and bullets diamond program where 
where in the United States are they doing that at? Because I've never heard it. I've heard of Babes and Bullets. I haven't heard of the Diamond Program. That's why I'm kind of wondering well, I, where this camp's at. <laughs> that one was only, we only do it once a year. Uh, or in the past we have. Maybe we'll do more now that we've uh, cut back on, on the other uh, part of the program. Uh, for three or four years, we did it in Montana. Uh, a nice lodge up in Montana. Uh, it recently was sold. So the last few we've done at... Um, Oh, oh, the name, the name just left me. But anyway, a I, I, nice place in uh, in Texas, out of Abilene. Okay. Uh, and I'm not sure where the next next year. We, we actually had to cancel that this year because of COVID. Uh, but we all will be going and doing a lace program at uh, at that uh, same place uh, later in the year. You know, there's been a lot of, a lot of changes this year because of, uh, COVID. We just, uh, ran a three part series to, uh, for, uh, best practices for firearm instructors to, uh, do and, uh, you know, a realization I, you know, this is a firearm training, pr- uh, podcast. I wasn't really that interested in going along and talking about a pandemic until it started going along and, you know, instructors are not able to hold classes or they're trying to hold classes and comply with, uh, the laws. And everything mm-hmm. else like that different jurisdictions have or let's put it this way the bottom line comes down to they're trying to be they're trying to put a class on be safe themselves and keep their students safe and that's where you know came up the came up the series and hopefully everybody uh got something out of it uh for it. Uh, but definitely because i'm kind of a hands-on instructor so mm-hmm. i have to not be right now where <laughs> <No laughs> <laughs> you got to wear the gloves and, uh-huh. and full yeah. and full hazmat suit and things like that it's uh it's a unique time that we're living in. That's uh, that's for sure. For I got another question for you because, and this shows my uh, my limited understanding. But what is the difference between like IDPA, IDP, uh, S, uh, IPSC, and USPSA as far as competition, um, the rules, and different things like that? Well, uh, first, I, I, uh, okay, IPSC, International Practical Shooters Confederation. Uh, is the world body for, and USPSA is a member of that, which is the United States Practical Shooting Association. So they're kind of uh, married at the hip there. Um, the, I, of course, uh, IDPA, International Defensive Pistol Association. Uh, that was uh, Bill Wilson's uh, baby, and now Joyce, his wife. Um, that is more defensive oriented, uh, whereas IPSC and USPSA. It's just a drag race. Uh, I mean, we are trying to get from point A to point B as quickly as we can uh, with uh, with suitable hits, uh, you know, suitable accuracy uh, as quick as you can. And that's the only that that's your only measure is your is your how fast you can do it. Well, and the accuracy, but uh, you have to get there. Whereas IDPA, uh, you're often you have to use cover if it's everything has to be tactical. So you may have, if there's cover available, you must use it. Uh, you have to do tactical reloads. Can't let any uh, magazines with loaded rounds hit the ground. Or as USPSA, drop them on the ground when you think it's most advantageous and uh, and leave them there. Um, I think uh, the USPSA, uh, as I, I like I say, I think of it more as the drag race of the, of the sport. Uh, IDPA, a little more accuracy oriented uh, because the penalties are, are uh, a little tougher. Mm-hmm. If you uh, on on the if you get out of your A zone, uh, but anyway, uh, but they're both uh, in the end they're both a game. But uh, you, where USPSA, uh, 
you're going to see if you go to a USPSA match, you'll see different shooters shoot different stages. You may see a dozen different ways. Uh, IDPA a little more regimented because you have to shoot targets in, in tactical sequence and in a certain order. So uh, for me, it's a lot of uh, the same. You know, most of the people shoot the stage the same way because it's pretty much uh, required by the rules. But otherwise, you're going to get penalties. So. You come in from the left and go and leave on the right. You know, yeah, it's, you yeah. know it's one way in, one way out. Yeah, so it's more of the tactic. So anyway, they're both great uh, organizations, though, and uh, both great place for for new shooters to to learn and uh, the skills. You know, uh, the skills that all, both of those instill or give you the the chance to instill in my opinion or you know definitely cross over and be advantageous in the defensive situation mm -hmm. the safe gun handling uh which for me would include the, the you know trigger finger discipline absolutely finger off the trigger you know until you're actively in, engaging the target and muzzle direction be very aware of where that muzzle's pointed and and what's in front of that muzzle at all times you learn that in the competitions and you have to adhere that in the competitions or you're going to get disqualified uh, and of course being able to hit your target uh, accurately and fast has got to be an advantage um, mm -hmm. so so they're just uh, just about every skill that you practice for competitions definitely uh, transfers over to to self-defense situations yeah I, I, as you were going along describing you know the uspsa as a drag race um, never heard it described like that, but when you're in a, when you're in a defensive situation and you've got to act quickly and decisively, I, you know, being a, being a drag race is one of those things where, you know, you've got, you know, five seconds and that's going to dictate a whole lot about, you know, how you respond, um, where you, where you're heading to everything else like that. And then, uh, from what you were talking about with IDPA, you know, that's a very interesting one too, because, Accuracy is important with it, um, you know, going along, using cover, doing those types of things. And, you know, as we said, beginning of the podcast, it's a good mental exercise to go along and come up to a stage and like, okay, where am I going to, where am I going to go along and shoot from, you know, do I want to be on two feet? Do I want to be on one foot? And even as you were talking about, you know, dropping magazines, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, defensive encounters, you hear people talk about, you know, you'll never, never reload in a true you know, defensive situation unless you have to. Yeah. And the situation comes into it, if, unless you have to, how many times do you really exercise it that, that often? I mean, you go to a class, you go, you know, for a weekend, you do, you know, maybe a couple dozen magazine changes and that's it. But if you go to a competition, you go to it regularly, you can probably, you know, do a couple dozen, you know, every, every weekend and, you know, do that over the course of a year. And you've got a quite, quite a good, um, build up the neural pathways for that muscle memory to be able to go along and know how to reload quickly when you, when you need to, in case you need to. And, and another thing that uh, I'll just mention, uh, is, uh, clearing jams and, and any kind of malfunctions, uh, even on the range, you know, when it happens to you, when you're practicing, you're kind of like, okay, let's see what the problem is and let's fix it. But boy, when you're on the clock, you have to fix it now, you know, as efficiently and fast as you can. Again, competition uh, shows that. I know in my classes, of course, these were a lot of new ladies, uh, but anytime somebody had a malfunction, you know, we'd all stop. We'd see what the problem was. And that definitely use that as a learning moment 
every time. Everybody come up. Let me show you what's going on here. You know, mm-hmm. the case and how to. Now they were probably not at the level to retain a lot of that at the moment, but uh, they did see it, and uh, they learned how to clear those things. And uh, again, I've. That, that what brought that to mind was uh, watching a video just the other day of a of a female police officer that was uh, in a situation where uh, a guy with a knife or whatever was attacking her, and she mm-hmm. shot him down. She had a jam, boy. Quickly, she tapped rack, and she was back in the fight, and she needed it too because yeah, it took more rounds to get him. Yep, I think you know the one thing good you know thinking about competition. You know when I'm teaching classes. Um, Every once in a while, because, uh, you know, people are using factory ammunition, we have some kind of misfire uh, for it, um, you know, failure to feed, so, something along those lines. Uh, but, again, we stop everything. Uh, but it, when you go along and in competition, I would venture to say probably if you hang around, you know, and watch other people compete, you'll probably see somebody have, you know, misfire or some kind of ammunition malfunction probably every, every single competition just because you got so many people, you're shooting so many rounds. Mm-hmm. and the chances are just you know increase and because yep. they increase you can pick up like oh look at that that guy can did it this way or did it that way and one thing i found i, I haven't gotten a whole lot of competition but one the ones i have you know the competitors are very you know welcoming for you to ask them you know questions well you know what does this do and how does this make it faster and how how could you clear that jam so quickly or how did you sh- how did you go along to the magazine change and you know with a second faster than the guy in front of you and doing different things and you know they'll they'll tell you and those those are important things to learn from because some of those things you can use and other things are like well I'll probably not do that because I, I see it as being too risky mm-hmm. well you can learn from everything and uh, watching yeah watching especially go find the super squad or go find the, you know, the people that are at the top of their game and, and watch what they do. Mm-hmm. Learn from watching is as somebody telling you, if you pay attention, learn, learn from it. And, uh, you know, that that's learn what you want to do and also learn what you don't want to do. <laughs> it, it, it works. It works both ways uh, for, I learn much more from my mistakes than I do from my victories. Let me tell you. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, because uh, the mistakes are the ones that cost us, and they tend to resonate with us uh, longer because if we're doing everything right, then we're just repeating that. But it's those uh, mistakes that we go along and say, don't do that again, we'll make that yeah. mental, uh, mental note. Uh, what, are your th- uh, what are your thoughts when it comes to teaching new students about sites and triggers? You know, how, how, do, you, how do you approach, uh, you know, brand new shooters? And those are two of the most important things, you know, for people to understand new, sh- new shooting, that is. Uh, uh, well, all the basics. I am big, big, big on the basics. Uh, uh, right from every stance grip, sight picture trigger. Uh, but that being said, I think 90% of especially handgun shooting is in the trigger. Um, once they have, I, I, can, I can get anybody to stand right and hold the gun right. And I can eventually get them to understand what, a, a, you know, the proper sight picture. Uh, but they can have a perfect stance grip and sight picture and screw everything up with that with that trigger press. So, uh, and often do, especially when the recoil starts kicking in. So, uh, I think that is the area that is the hardest for uh, the new shooters uh, to grasp. I find that to probably uh, when we start off, especially if I start them off with 22, which I almost always do if it's a new shooter. Uh, the recoil's not there, it doesn't really affect them. But as soon as they go into the mine or 
which is usually where I go from there. Uh, after about eight to 10 shots, if the first six to eight shots are perfect, they're right in there, they're doing the same thing they were mm -hmm. doing. And then about that eighth to 10th shot, that's when we start seeing the little dipping down and, you know, they start that little flinch. Uh, so and that's about how long it takes your little lizard brain to kick in at saying, hey, this something is attacking me, which is that recoil. And and you automatically want to push back. And it's such a natural thing to do. Uh, and some uh, some people are immune to it. Very few of them. But some of them are truly immune to it. Uh, and some are extremely sensitive to recoil. And when you get somebody that's really sensitive sensitive to recoil, those are the, the biggest challenges. A lot of dry firing, uh, you know, the ball and dummy drills, mm -hmm. things like that. A laser is a great tool for that so that they can actually see uh, what what that muzzle is doing. I mean, there's all sorts of little tricks, like, you know, putting the, putting the quarter on the slide or whatever when mm -hmm. Falls off and so they're all sort. But uh, really, the uh, that is the is to me the main obstacle with uh, with handgun shooting is uh, getting that trigger pull. Uh, that's why I really like uh, when I can to have them shoot uh, the guns that I provide because I know they have a decent trigger. It's not a competition trigger. I don't want a new person to have my competition triggers, but they, uh, you know, a good three to four pound trigger with a reasonable amount of of take up and and uh, no no creep or as little creep as possible but uh when they show up with uh, something that has an eight or ten pound trigger on it and a mile of movement in the trigger and so forth that really makes it difficult for a new shooter uh to learn so i try to make it as easy for them as possible by supplying the guns now i know not every instructor has the uh, can do that can supply mm -hmm. them, especially to larger crowds uh to larger classes but it does help uh, and then eventually let them transfer into their own gun if they brought one. Uh, but I forgot the question now. I got off on that. But uh, sights. <laughs> sights and trigger. Okay. Yep. Uh, good set of sights. Same thing, especially as I got older. Uh, I had, obviously, I ran into the same problem as you uh, when I couldn't see that front sight. I'm also cross-dominant. And a large number of women are cross-dominant. A uh, much larger percentage of women than men are cross-dominant. Um, and when I was growing up, and again, I started, uh, you know, shooting when I was literally six years old in competitions. And back in those days, and it was an NRA program, actually, that I was going to. And they were like, okay, you're right-handed, shoot with your right eye. And I said, okay. Back, you know, we're talking in the 60s. They didn't ask, you know, which is your dominant mm -hmm. eye. Uh, so I learned to shoot with my weak eye. And, of course, I had to close my left eye to do that. And that's the way I have. And to this day, I still shoot with my weak eye. I will say I, I just recently got lens replacement. And lo and behold, I'm no longer cross-dominant. So if, for the first time <laughs> in my life, I don't have to close the left eye. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, but you can overcome it. Uh, uh, the sights, of, uh, at, when I got to, of course, uh, in my 50s or so, definitely I needed something. Uh, and I like fiber optic sights very much. That's That really draws my eye in there. And I like that. Uh, uh, specifically high vis. I like their, I've got high vis sights on, on all my guns and now they have tritium. I've got those tritium. Yeah, yeah the light pipe technology. They've got, yeah. they got some really neat stuff there. Yes, they do. And I've got that on my carry guns and my competition guns. So, um, that, that definitely does help. Uh, 
And again, back to the trigger, a good a good trigger on there. Uh, knowing my, the guns that we had for uh, the Bage program, which were M&P pistols, as Smith & Wesson was our, was our sponsor, uh, we put some Apex triggers in those, and that, that definitely helps the ladies. There. And that's that's what I, the, the goal was, to make it as easy for them to learn as possible. Mm-hmm. Minimize all those things where uh, you can minimize them, and then they can focus on the sites, which, you know, they've got good good visible sights and then, you know, focus on the trigger control and grip and then they can be successful about hitting the target, which, uh, you know, success breeds success, as they say. Yes, it is. I wanted them to go away from program filling, knowing that they knew the basics. And occasionally when I had someone that was uh, extra sensitive to recoil and uh, I would pull out my, uh, my competition gun, which has about a two and a half pound trigger. And I, you know that by this time they've gotten used to that that four pound trigger so they know what it's going to go off so they're flinching and so i would just take that gun from them and say okay you're going to shoot this gun it's got a very light trigger be careful and they come up and you know we're shooting a plate rack and all of a sudden they hit the plate and they're like whoa mm-hmm. and then once again uh they didn't know when it was going to go off so they would hit a few plates and then i take my gun back and said i just want you to see that you are doing everything right your sight picture is right. Your even your your trigger pull is right. It's just that uh, you have learned to flinch with this other gun because you know exactly when it's going to go off. And then we have to start talking about mind over body, and uh, which is another discussion. You know. Yep, definitely. What what's your thoughts about red dot sights, the holographic red dots? Love them. Love red dots. Now, when I was uh, most of my competitions back in the day, those handgun competitions that I won were in the open category. Again, because I was shooting with my weak eye and with a red dot, I can keep both eyes open, no problem. So uh, literally of the of the 10 national championship titles I won with a handgun, nine of them were with a red dot, one of them was iron sights. Uh, so that kept me in the game because of uh, my cross dominance. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, now, if I was learning now, and what I teach now is just simply move the gun over you know, the handgun under your dominant eye. But uh, like I say, I learned from the time I was six years old to shoot weak eye. And I, the one time I tried to, to change it, uh, as soon as the beep went off, it went right back to my, <laughs> to my, to my weak side. And uh, anyway, I was too lazy to correct it by then. <laughs> you want to hear the odd thing about me? I'm actually ambidextrous, Sorry? which which I can pick up a gun in either hand and shoot it. Um, my left hand's not as good as my right hand, but I don't have to, you know, to cross my eyes or do anything else like that. Cause I can see left or right, you know, real, uh, real well. And, uh, it, it made it fun when my kids were growing up because I could toss ball with both of them at the same time. <laughs> and it's a kind of unique because I can, uh, I can go along and, you know, shoot, shoot well using either eye. So, it, you know, in, in either hands, you know, one's a little, little bit more favored than the other one, but. Still, still pretty darn good. Yeah, well, well, I will uh, a little more favored than the other one. You know, that's another thing I believe, and I don't guess I have anything hard evidence to back it up. But I just think saw this over my fifteen years of, of teaching ladies. There's also degrees of dominance. Uh, you know, some people are really strongly dominant, have a really strong dominant eye, uh, so they can keep that weak eye open, no problem at all. And others are, it's almost a little wishy washy. You know. Uh, you almost have to, I can see them going back and forth trying to decide <laughs> what, what they're supposed to be seeing. Uh, and again, I find that more in women. So uh, I don't, 
So somebody out there that uh, knows eyes and brains, I know whatever whatever part of the women uh, the the brain women use more uh, affects your eyes as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, uh, maybe one of these days we'll have a uh, neurosurgeon on or something else that can explain the differences between men and women uh, learning and and how their brain works. That would that, that could be a long long episode. Uh, as, as, <laughs> As it pertains to cross dominance, I would yeah. be interested to hear that. <laughs> well, hey, Kay, I appreciate your time today. A question we've been asking all our guests this year is uh, what books are you reading to uh, go along further your education on any topic this year? On any topic? Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been reading some stuff to do with hunting, but uh, but let's, let's uh, you know what I've found, I uh, have recently, which I don't know why I waited so long, uh, joined the USCCA, which is United States Concealed Carry Association, mm-hmm. and uh, get their magazine, they have some really good articles in that, and their website is pretty much uh, got some really good information there too, so uh, I'm going to be teaching, uh, I have taught concealed carry classes for years, but I'm uh, going to be teaching more now, so um, uh, they've got some really good articles. I, I've, I've always said I'm, I'm a competition instructor, not not a self-defense instructor, but uh, since uh, they, they're so closely related, they really are. So the USCCA uh, material has helped me a lot. Yep, they've got a lot of good uh, information, and uh, I'm working, if you remember looking at their material, the uh, Dr. Alexis Artwell um, did a study, and they quoted during their class, and I'm working on getting her coming on the podcast to talk about her updated book on it because it's uh, one of those things we're understanding the mental reaction and the physiological reaction and how your brain and body uh, work during a violent uh, confrontation is it's important for people to understand because it's not it's not straightforward it's not like you do this and you go you just go back to doing whatever you were doing there's uh, some some things you've really got to be aware of that are absolutely normal and and you know dealing with it is uh the right thing to do yep so yeah it's uh they've got they've got very good information um out there and i've been an instructor for them for going on about five years now and very good i, I was i was trying to go to a class in, in in april and of course it got canceled so i'm a i'm gonna get there that's that uh their classes uh, look pretty interesting so i got one coming up in september if you want to come up to ohio <laughs> september. well i'm gonna be in where am I going to be? Minnesota in, uh, in September. Uh, we'll have to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a great honor if I could get you get you to come up here. Uh, that would be good. So, you know, well, okay. We're going to be an instructor. Or where can our listeners and instructors find out more information about you and your products? Well, uh, Mitchellick.com is probably the best place. Uh, soon to be, there will be the shootoutrange.com. I'm working on that right now. Um, so we're going to, like I say, I'm going to be, now that I'm not traveling as much, I'm going to be teaching more classes uh, at my home range. So uh, we'll get those listed there. Uh, the Facebook page is teammitchellick.com. And then, of course, uh, my husband Jerry's uh, uh, Facebook page is, I should know this, shouldn't I? <laughs> Jerry Mitchellick, look it up. Uh, and then, but uh, but his web website, I mean, uh, YouTube channel, uh, Mitchellick Pro Shooter, which uh, lots of stuff there. Yeah, um, I watch a lot of the stuff Jerry comes out with, and uh, both um, both Jerry and Lena, your daughter, um, they both put out some really great content there and enjoy it because it's informative and, uh, and also uh, kind of fun at the same time watching them and seeing what he's uh, done. His uh, most recent series of YouTube 
videos that he's done about some of the old equipment that he uh, hobbled together over the last 30, 40 years. I, I, I think it's great because it, it goes to show you what you can do with just a little imagination. You don't have to spend a lot of money if you can go down the junkyard and grab an old axle and take, yep. take some sheets of metal and weld them together, you know, do those kind of things. Oh, he'd still rather build it than buy it any day of the week, <laughs> no matter what it is. Yep, I understand that uh, completely, and uh, yeah, it's great. Well, thanks again, Kay. Uh, and that's a wrap for this episode. We have a few requests for our loyal listeners. Share this episode with others on your Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Encourage others to listen and subscribe. We want to get the word out there and make the instructors as effective as possible. If you have any ideas for episodes, questions, or feedback, email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Like and rate our podcast and check out the other concealedcarry.com network podcast. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Check out your local clubs for competitions and stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.